By the time the world of movies and the world of education get into the streets of black America, some strange things happen. Because what history and the movies have told the black man is that he's nobody unless he joins the white world. That is not true. Do not believe that. That is dead wrong. They don't discriminate against me because I'm a Christian. They're discriminating against me because I'm black. I grudge them, grudge them on, you know. I threw him a fight for black liberation. And him a one true warrior. Them I want to try to stop him. But them can't stop the man. Them can't stop Raheem Shabazz. That's why anytime me want to listen to revolutionary liberation vibes, me tune into Necessary Blackness podcast. Me not hear them like a Yaga Yaga podcast them. I be your Necessary Blackness me rock with. Anytime me want your true warrior talking. Lord Peace and power, black family. This is your host, Raheem Shabazz, and we are here for another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast. And today, family, we're going to talk about the Netflix movie, Self Made, the Madam C.J. Walker story, and what we're going to do is we're going to debunk all the lies and the half-truth that is contained in this docu-series. Now, many of y'all might not know that a lot of these documentaries and these series that are coming out, the producers are using their creative license that they are giving to create fictional situations and composite characters. And the reason they do this is to further their story arc. So when you look at this film, you're going to see that it includes making two successful black women arch enemies, romanticizing a gay relationship between Madam C.J. Walker's daughter that did not exist and vilifying Annie Malone as a bitter woman that stalked Madam C.J. Walker and was hell-bent on making sure she fell. This is not truthful. Annie Malone was actually a mentor to Madam C.J. Walker, although in their later years they did have disagreements, but for the most part, they was not arch enemies as depicted in this film. We're going to talk about that and more when I come back from a quick commercial break. This is Raheem Shabazz, and you are tuned in to Necessary Blackness Podcast. Check out MCJ, musicculturejournalism.com. Hip-hop is a global movement reaching all aspects of music, culture, and journalism. MCJ is the premier destination for culture-driven video and editorial content around the country. Check out musicculturejournalism.com. Log on today. Elementary Genocide provides a critical expose of mass incarceration, the war on drugs, and the connection between slavery, capitalism, and the prison industrial complex. Visit our website at www.elementarygenocide.com. Now available, Elementary Genocide, the School to Prison Pipeline. Elementary Genocide 2, the Board of Education versus the Board of Incarceration. And the newest release, Elementary Genocide 3, Academic Holocaust. Log on today to purchase your very own three-set docu-series. 
Wingy Apparel is the latest fly in revolutionary streetwear to hit the market. Wingy is the outfitters of freedom fighters everywhere. Wingy is a Swahili word that means abundance. No one has ever gone broke by giving. So if you have it in abundance, sharing is better than receiving. Follow us on Instagram at Wingy Apparel. That's at W-I-N-G-I-A-P-P-A-R-E-L. Get ready for the event of the year. Let's get it. Here we go. The Foundational Black American Conference. Happening Saturday, June 20th, 2020 at the Georgia World Congress Center in Atlanta. Hosted by Tariq Nasheed. With special guests, Professor James Small, Judge Joe Brown, Shaharazad Ali, Dr. Boyce Watkins, Riza Islam, Dr. Kaba Kamene, and many more to be announced. This is the empowerment event you don't want to miss. Get your tickets and vending slots at FBAC2020.com. That's All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back from our quick commercial break. And when I went on a break, someone texted me some very bad news. And then I did receive some good news as well. So let me get to the bad news first. I don't know if many of y'all are aware but we had one of our grandmaster teachers and our icon return to the essence. And that individual is Dr. Leah Africa. He has now joined the Ancestral Rim. I posted on Facebook, a rest in peace to the beloved brother. It was with great sadness that we received this information from his family, and it was announced on social media. As y'all know, the brother was a holistic healer, acupuncturist, metaphysician, author, historian, among many other things. And we would like to say rest in peace to Dr. Africa. And um, those that knew him or knew him personally know that he was a giant and was definitely ahead of his time. So I just want to get that out the way. So that was the bad news. The good news is that I had posted a tweet earlier and I was telling everybody on Facebook and Instagram that I was going to do this podcast tonight on Madam C.J. Walker and we was going to debunk all the lies and half-truth about this Netflix documentary. And lo and behold, I get a... um text messaging from my sister Crystal and she told me she wanted to introduce me to Eric Majet and we have the brother on the line and Eric Majet he is a historian and founder of the African American Cultural Heritage Collection and owner of the original collection of the Matter C.J. Walker Artifacts Brother Eric Majette, welcome to Necessary Blackness Podcast. How are you, my brother? I'm fantastic, brother. Thank you so much for uh, having me on your show. Um, I'm very honored to be here. A couple of years ago, we met uh, through Crystal at an event that you were having over in the Bluff. And um, I've been following you ever since. I have your, you know, your documentaries and everything. So it's, it's definitely a pleasure to be here. Glad uh, we was able to meet in the physical form. Um, I do remember that event. I yes, can't sir. say I remember meeting you because I <laughs> uh, met a lot of individuals at that event. But I am mm-hmm. definitely familiar with your work. 
And um, Crystal, you know, she talked very highly of you. So I'm under the assumption that uh, you've seen this train wreck of a movie. Definitely. I did and um, was very upset about it. <laughs> Just d- being a historian, um, knowing and being actually really involved in collecting the history of these two giants, it actually really upset me to know that they knowingly did such a terrible job on two stories that were literally two of the top female self-made millionaires in our history. And I say two because most people don't know about Annie Malone. Uh, Annie Malone was actually the first self-made black millionaire. She was Madam C.J. Walker's boss. So the character that um, they created in this atrocity, um, Addie Monroe, is loosely based off of um, Annie Malone and a bunch of other situations during that time. That was how it was explained by um, Alilia Bundles, the great-great-granddaughter of Madam C.J. Walker. You know, with Hollywood, they like to use what they call their creative license to embellish the truth and to make the story more captivating. And I think with Madam C.J. Walker and Annie Malone's story alone, the rag-to-riches element of it was enough to make it captivating without putting in um, lies and half-truth. Now, one of the things that was greatly unappreciated is how they use colorism in this film. Yes. And they depicted Annie Monroe as someone who was of a high yellow complexion when Mm -hmm. she was actually, if not the same complexion as Madam C.J. Walker. Is that correct? She was slightly lighter, but there was no colorism in Annie Malone's business at all. She literally was one of the people that was adamant about uplifting the race and uplifting black women. Was it, would you how, consider her a light-skinned female? Uh, light-skinned slash brown-skinned. You know, uh, she was more of a caramel complexion. She wasn't high yellow? No. Yeah, so that's 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 one thing because I I seen pictures of her, but you know when it's a black and white picture, right? It's almost hard to tell. But Definitely. the one that I seen, she looked the dark in it. Mm-hmm. And from what I'm being told by everybody else, that um, she wasn't a high yellow individual. No, she she was not high yellow. And the part where they play her as a villain that was uh, bitter and that she stalked Madam C.J. Walker. <laughs> that is, yeah. is so untrue. It's totally untrue. Absolutely. And I, I, I just think it does a disservice to her when you look at her history. Because mm-hmm. I, I went back and I did some research on her. Some of the things I knew, some of the things I didn't know. Oh, yeah. Um, is that, like as you said, she was actually the first black millionaire. That's correct. And she had over 70,000 sale agents that was working for her at the height yeah. of her company. That's correct. And mm-hmm. uh, the college that she had was for a magnificent mm-hmm. college. It was actually so great. And I don't mean to interrupt you, but this is the funny thing. Her, she owned a city block in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Okay. It opened its doors in um, 19... 19- 
1970, excuse me. And um, this is actually her college. This is the, the system that she actually put Madam C.J. Walker through. And she also had another famous uh, student that most people don't know about, which was Chuck Berry. He actually graduated from Poro College as well. And Madam C.J., um, excuse me, uh, Annie Malone literally was one of the highest paid black people in the country. In, in 1923, the Philadelphia Tribune had reported that she had paid forty thousand dollars in taxes in 1924 this woman was rich and she actually shared her wealth that was one of her uh, i guess you could say one of her downfalls but she laid the foundation for philanthropy uh, philanthropy which madam cj walker carried on she gave five thousand dollars for the first black um ymca to be created in in actual uh, st louis she also gave twenty five thousand dollars which was the largest single donorship given towards howard's um medical school and you know they try to diminish what she's done and it's by far you know she actually gave more money than madam cj walker did but we're not trying to diminish their view of each of the women but you cannot literally totally try to assassinate somebody's character um, by coming up with this erroneous, you know, fictional story. You know, they changed the name, which, you know, is already confusing. They did Addie Monroe in the movie, and Addie Malone was the actual person. I did my research on that as well as far as her charitable donations to several mm -hmm. organizations. Yes, sir. And as you said, you know, at the height of her career, she gave away a lot of money. And yes. they able to tell what her worth was. Yes. by her tax filings. And mm -hmm. they said she paid the highest taxes during that year in St. Louis. Yes, sir. And mm -hmm. what she paid in this day and in this time is equivalent oh, yes. to $5 million in million income would been her earnings. Yes, so sir. So that in itself is monumental. And we're talking about what, the 1920s? Yes, sir. Wow. Mm -hmm. She established her company in 1900. Yeah. And people don't know, there's a letter that Madam C.J. Walker wrote um, mm. where she was stating um, that she had $600,000. Yep. She had and, never made a million dollars in her lifetime. Yeah. And she told her lawyer, she was writing this letter to her lawyer, that That's she right. wanted to be a millionaire. Now, mm -hmm. with the $600,000, a lot of people were saying that with her property holdings, it would equate mm -hmm. it to over a million dollars. So that's mm -hmm. why she was considered um, a millionaire. Mm -hmm. that, that is true. And that's by the evaluation of the Guinness Book of World Records. Um, they also did a subtitle at the bottom of the thing that they actually gave to the family for the Guinness Book of World Records, declaring her the first self-made uh, millionaire. But they mentioned Annie Malone and two other people that were um, millionaires before her. And I thought that was interesting, but the, um, the the caveat that they gave was that it, it was too, there wasn't enough information to substantiate it, which is BS. You have written record from the, um, from the articles and newspapers around the time. You have, there is written information, which I've collected. You know, Annie Malone put out her own booklets back out in, um, in the early uh, teens of what she did. So there's, there's actual records and also, if you've seen any of the pictures, it's absolutely amazing the block, uh, Poro College building that she built in St. Louis. The funny part about it is later on, after Madam C.J. Walker died, her family and the actual company almost replicated the building almost exactly to the T for Madam C.J. Walker's um, building that's in Indianapolis still to this day. 
Yeah, I seen that. I seen that. So let, let me ask you, how accurate is the scene with Booker T. Washington <laughs> and him not allowing her to speak in the conversation that he had? Because it seemed like it was a lot of sexualism going on there. There definitely was sexism there, but that was not an accurate account. Um, even... Um, Alilia Bundles debunked that on a on a live that was done yesterday. Um, so that account did not happen. He did not allow her uh, the first session. He did not allow her to speak, but she did wind up speaking at the next year. And also uh, she hosted him at her house. But um, that dialogue and everything was added for Hollywood sensationalism. So the part where he didn't show show up at a house, that was not true. He actually did have a meeting at a house. Yeah, that was the following year okay. that he actually did. Okay. Okay. But that was that was all added. That was creative license, as they call it. Yeah, it's just so many lies and mistruths oh, and so much. a lot of things that was left out. Even mm -hmm. they didn't highlight a lot about Poro. college. Yeah, they never touched. They never touched on it at all. They never actually admitted that she was a top salesperson for Madam C.J. Walker, and she did not go straight to Indianapolis. She start. She left um, St. Louis and she went to Denver for several years, and she was still selling Madam, uh, well, Annie Malone's products. Yeah, there was no type of you know colorism in that. There was like no um, division between them. Madam C.J. Walker was one of her trusted and closest. Uh, friends and agents. Fact, she was her top agent. She was her top selling agent. Yeah. When when I was looking on and doing some research about Poro College, mm -hmm. the the entire complex alone costed oh, yeah. five hundred thousand dollars. Yes, sir. And it had classrooms. It had a factory, a sewing room, barber shop, mm -hmm. a dining hall, gymnasium, bakery, yep. chapel. Roof mm -hmm. garden and a 500 oh, yeah. seat auditorium. Auditorium. You have right. some historical black college today that don't even they have. Don't even have exactly that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so right. this was phenomenal to be happening yes. in the 1900s, the early right. 1900s. At that. Mm -hmm. Well, let me ask you something else. Now, this is a big thing, um, especially in Hollywood. When yes. they take our stories and they try to cast us in a negative light mm -hmm. or in a light that is something that the majority of us is diametrically opposed to. Now, mm -hmm. we've seen that with the movie Harriet. Yes. They had a fictional character in there named Bigger mm -hmm. that never right. existed. And right. it seemed that they made him the villain instead of her slave master. Right. Now, in this film, with uh, Madam C.J. Walker's daughter, mm -hmm. they tried to allude to the fact that she had a sexual relationship lifestyle. with another <laughs> right. female, a lesbian <laughs> right. relationship. Right. Now, from the research that I have found, um, it said that you know her daughter was a socialite and threw a lot right. of... Uh, parties where she invited mm -hmm. a lot of high society people during the Harlem Renaissance and she yes. was very LBGTQ friendly, friendly but yeah. she was not a lesbian. In fact, she That's was married twice, I think two or three, three times. times. Three T times. Tell mm -hmm. me a little bit about that. 
that actually was created. Um, the the lady that she is uh, that is alleged that she had a relationship is a totally made up character. That was actually um, it was really foul. Actually, that they insinuated this. Now, um, Alilia Walker. She changed her name to Alilia. She added the A and apostrophe to her name. Um, she was a socialite, as you said. She entertained a lot of the actual uh, Harlem Renaissance um, leaders. So she was very friendly to everybody black. It didn't matter their sexual orientation, their religion, anything like that. She entertained everybody because she wanted to, she was very into the arts and everything. And she wanted to create her own niche. So she had a club. She had the Dark Tower, which um, they did mention in the actual um, um, film out of her Harlem um, brownstone. There was no historical evidence at all that she was a lesbian at all. Even Alilia Bundles said that. So she was a little upset about that. Also, the other thing, and you might touch on this later, but um, they created that um, that rift between her and her husband as far as in for uh, Madam C.J. Walker. He did not, there's no record that he ever cheated on her at all. And he never had a problem with her establishing her company. No, but it was never discussed like that. You said mm-hmm. that her um, granddaughter uh, debunked mm-hmm. that, but isn't the mm-hmm. book based on? No, I mean, isn't the, the movie based on the book by her granddaughter? It's not. This is the issue with that, and this is my major issue with that. Um, the book actually, it's what they did was they um, licensed the rights of the book. They used that quote unquote as the basis of the um, of the, um, the the self made series. But it doesn't go off of the book at all. <laughs> Me being in the film industry, mm-hmm. I have come across many contracts yeah. where mm-hmm. when they license your work, they can tell you that they can create fictional characters. Anything from it, absolutely. That they can change things, they can omit things. And oh, yeah. this is this is why a lot of people don't like to give up their creative control on certain mm-hmm. projects or they like to have, um, I forget the, what the clause is, but they make the final decision right. on the uh, rewrites or anything like that. And mm-hmm. it's a shame that this happened to her pretty much, you know, for those that don't know the story of Madam C.J. Walker, this is the uh, narrative that they are given but for those like myself and you who know that you know we're we're not (laughs) we're not believing that story right and we definitely diametrically opposed to it and we got to speak out about it because hollywood shouldn't be allowed to do this right it's a it's it's character assassination not only for uh annie malone but also for lilia uh walker and then also for madam cj walker I don't think if Madam C.J. Walker had a say in it that she would have allowed them to do that to Annie Malone. Um, and then they shortened everything. They took everything out of context, out of date, just to, to fit this in a short period of time. Now, um, what would you say mm-hmm. to people? Because I had a couple of people, you know, when I was saying that, you know, this is wrong. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of people were saying, you know, well, LeBron James is one of the executive producers. Now, I I know most executive producers, a lot of times they lend their name to a project or Mm -hmm. their contribution is just uh, monetarily. Like, he probably don't even know the whole entire story. Exactly. So what do you say say to people that say, you know, um, 
you know, well, it, it was a movie about us that was made by a black producer, mm-hmm. and you know, they complicit in, in doing this, or, or is it just Hollywood? I would say it's Hollywood, but partially. Um, I think LeBron James um, heard about a good potential story that would have been great to um, to fund, and, which he did. But he, uh, I believe, the way his company is set up is that he actually will take care, outsource the production of everything. He does the funding and everything. And I'm not taking away from anything like saying that he wasn't involved, blah, blah, blah. I don't know that for any you know, uh, certainty. But what I do know is that, and you touched on it. I don't know if you uh, touched on it intentionally. The actual screenwriter um, and the one who that produced, uh, I'm not even sure. She might have directed it. I'm not sure. Um, but Harriet is the same person that did this story. Did you know that? Oh, you're talking about the lady, her name starts with a K, and the last yes. name is Lemons? Uh, uh-huh. She's the same person that did Harriet. Oh, no wonder. And I didn't know if you knew that, but it, I thought it was nah, funny I didn't that you know actually that. mentioned it. Yes, sir. Nah, I didn't She's know that. She's actually the one, so I, I kind of expected it. Once I saw I was like, oh, no. I hope she doesn't take creative license like she did with Harriet's story, because Harriet Tubman's story is amazing on its own. Uh, a lot of people don't know. I just actually, um, while I was on tour for Black History Month, I visited Harriet Tubman's 32-acre estate. Most people don't even know that she had that, and it still exists today. Mm-hmm. So I went to her 32-acre estate where she had an uh, apple orchard. She had, a, uh, at one point, a pig farm, um, all of that stuff. So people, her story alone, she was the first Black entrepreneur. Most people don't know that. So the story alone is amazing. Wow. There's no need to add or subtract from a story that literally already has as much liberation as possible in it. There was no reason to add or take or embellish. I can understand embellishments, but actual lies that a movie is based on 90% of stretch truth. I want to say lies, but I, I don't want to be too harsh, but that's what it was. No, nah, it was outright lies, brother. Yeah. You know, we got to tell the truth. <laughs> And let the chips fall where it may. Where they may. That's yeah. right. Uh, the director was Casey Lemons. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah K-A-S-I mm-hmm. Lemons, since he spelled yeah. it with two M's. Wow. Mm-hmm. You know, she Same person banished from, uh, from Hollywood. Well, you know, I think the the sensationalism probably is what got the cosign. Um, because what they're doing is they're taking issues in that time period and adding them to them and automatically because of the Harlem Renaissance and a lot of the, the leaders in, Hollywood, in in the Harlem Renaissance were of an alternative lifestyle. They just wanted to add that in there for quote unquote color. That was not necessary. Well, I know that um, Madam C.J. Walker daughter was, um, she, she had relationships, you know, friendships mm-hmm. with a lot of, um, Notable oh, yes. black people during that time Langston that Hughes, lived that alternative lifestyle, such as Langston Hughes and mm-hmm. um, forget the other individual name. He's a poet. Yes, um, mm-hmm. they they could have showed that in there exactly without you know making her a lesbian, right? If that was their intentions to show what actually happened and and mm-hmm. who was the principal players, but yeah, to do that, they want to push that hidden agenda. Yeah, it, it, it does actually look like it in this instance because it's like 
There were so many ways they could have done that. They could have added in the characters, like you said, the actual people that she was involved with, that she was friends with, that she actually gave a platform to. Everybody that was who's who of anything was at the Dark Tower. Mm -hmm. There was no need for them to add this to her um, to her character in this movie. There was no need. So let me ask you about your uh, collection. Yes, sir. Tell us a little bit about that. Okay. Um, well, I have the pleasure of being uh, what Dick Gregory named me as the Keeper of the Jewels. I have um, one of the largest traveling Black history collections in the world. Um, I've been entrusted with uh, upwards of 10,000 pieces of original wow. Black artifacts. My uh, Madam C.J. Walker collection and Poro collection is one of my, it's probably my third largest collection uh, amongst my uh, Marcus Garvey collection. That's one of my largest. I have over uh, 200 pieces on Garvey. Um, my Malcolm X collection, which is major. Um, the Nation of Islam. I've, I've got a little bit of everything. I, my earliest piece is an original 15th century map of Africa. Um, and my most contemporary is Tupac's first publishing contract. Um, but in particular with the um, Walker and the Poro collection, um, I have over uh, probably about, oh God, it's over 60 original items of Madam Walker. And actually it's increased since then. Um, original pieces. Like <laughs> there's, there's very little um, original pieces from prior to her death because the company was much more popular after she died. It grew in, in popularity. So um, I have a piece from 1918, which was the year before she died. It was actually her capital stock campaign where she was raising $10,000. Um, so I have that. I also have um, her textbooks. Um, I have, oh man, there's so many. Um, I have probably a, a dozen, let me see, probably about 10 or almost a dozen of her original. No, it is a dozen. It's a dozen of her original um, products, the tens, and it actually still have product in them. Uh, Annie Malone, same thing. I have um, several of her original products. Also her book that she put out. Um, once she opened up her, um, the Poro College. So the original, like this is, it's so old, it's frail. Um, have that. Also have what I haven't seen anywhere else, which is um, original diplomas. I have a Madam C.J. Walker College of Beauty uh, Culture diploma and also an original Annie Malone Poro College um, diploma. I also have Chuck Berry's 1952 I believe it was, um, his prom and graduation photo from Poro College that actually has him and Annie Malone in it. Wow. Um, so you said Chuck yeah. Berry? Yes, sir. The musician? The musician. He was a certified cosmetologist and graduated from the same uh, hair system that uh, that Madam C.J. Walker did. Didn't he wear his hair in a conk? He sure did. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and did his own hair his entire career. See, this is this is unknown history. It is. And, and brother, I, I definitely thank you for uh coming on this show. My so pleasure. let me ask you, nobody from uh the production crew, nobody from set design or any of that reached <laughs> out to you and asked, could any of these artifacts be used or to consult with you as a historian? On the no. on the life and times of Madam C.J. Walker. No, um, I, I was not. Um, you know, I'm fair. I kept a fairly low profile 
And that was because I work in film and television myself. So most of the time I've been working, um, saving up money to buy back our history. I have not had any um, any loans, grants or anything to buy back our history. I paid for everything out of my own pocket. So um, I've kept a low profile because I was building something um, that the ancestors really um, I don't want to say forced me to do, but really impacted my life to do. And that was to have ownership of our history. So I did it stealthily. And from there, once I actually got everything established and created a full body of work, that's when I started coming out uh, about it. Now, I did reach out to them and I was told that it was all good. They had everything that they needed from the family. Mm. I even reached out to the family and uh, initially I was told, no, we don't need anything. I have everything. I said, OK, great. No problem. Um, and then at one point I did speak with um, Olivia Bundles and we were going to get together and I was going to actually do an interview with her. And this was at the time that her um, this was the end of last year. Uh, actually, no, that was summer of last year that uh, her brother actually was in the end stages of his life. So she had um, she wasn't available. And that um, kind of canceled that out. But it was funny. I was just finishing up in uh, January a um, a film. Actually, it was a TV show, Black Lightning, and that actually is by the same company, that overall company that produced um, this film. And uh, when they heard about my collection, it was just like, oh, well, let's reach out to see um, with the uh, PR department to see if they wanted to include any of your exhibits in, you know, some of the the premieres. And um, it went a little ways, but it didn't go far enough. Because it was not going into theaters. So they were just kind of doing like screening parties and stuff like that. And then that just fizzled out. Uh, so nothing ever came of that. Well, it might have been a good thing that... Oh, um, it was. I would have been furious. <laughs> they didn't use none of your <laughs> artifacts in this uh, fictionized movie. Because oh, now it just opens the door for um, it to be used in the real movie. And, exactly. and the same thing with with Harriet. Um, a lot of people mm-hmm. were saying that movie got to be done over. It you definitely know, does. Um, just as they could make five and ten big mm-hmm. two pop movies, That's right. I, I think the um the best and and the brightest minds that are amongst us can get together and give an actual depiction of both yeah. of these iconic figures. And and I hope you will be a part of that, brother. Because oh, definitely. I'm you, actually you have the history a, um, and the artifacts yep. to pull exactly. it off. I'm so, actually working on a, a, a screenplay, per se, um, just just chronicling the story of Amy Malone. And I actually figured, um, since they did that Tupac and Biggie one, I thought about doing something where it combined both of their stories. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, that would have to, that would take me getting with some of my, uh, my friends in the industry to actually work on that, um, where I can share the information with them and they can actually write the screenplay. But that's not hard at all. So if someone wanted to get in contact with you to to visit your uh, exhibits and artifacts or if they wanted to, you know, support you with financial funding, how would they go about doing that? Okay, they can actually go to the website. It's blackhistoryarchives.com and um, they have all the information on there. Um, I'm also on Instagram at V-A-A-C-H-C. That's the African American Cultural Heritage Collection, A-A-C-H-C. Um, and then my personal um uh screen name on uh IG is the Mr. Majestic. And um they'll see both of my pages, you know, intertwined um on there. 
And um, I do spot exhibits now. I'm, I'm more so travel more than I had. I had a location in Midtown. I gave that up in 2016 because I was spending $2,000 a month uh, on rent and literally was only there maybe three times a month because I was traveling so much with work. So I gave that up and I started doing actually exhibits, touring uh, different places across the country, taking the, the history to the people. Where some of the places you've been to? Oh, boy. Um, I actually did a little something in China while I was living over there for two years. Uh, this was way before Corona, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I came back in 2018. I've been back since. Um, but uh, I did something as far as China. Um, I've done stuff in New Jersey. Um, I just finished, actually, um, the last stop was here in Atlanta. We did at the Black House with um, Ernestine and Jay Morrison over at the uh, the Black House. So we did a 200-piece exhibit over there. And then before that, I was actually um, with the Nation of Islam for a week for Savior's Day as a part of their historical um, exhibit uh, for uh, that weekend. And before then, I kind of went on a Black History Tour, sacred um, sites and a history tour where I went to, oh my God, um, almost 20 different historical sites, uh, sacred sites for Black people. Um, I visited... Malcolm X's, Malcolm X and Betty Shabazz's uh, final resting place, James Baldwin, um, Paul Robeson, Kareem Muhammad, um, Moms Mabley, um, Cap Calloway, Aaliyah, Madam C.J. Walker, her daughter, Aaliyah uh, Walker, Harriet Tubman's um, final resting place, um, Frederick Douglass, Sojourner Truth, um, George Washington Carver, and Booker T. Washington. Um, so did all that on the, on the tour, visited the firebomb house of Malcolm X um, a week before he had been assassinated uh went to madam cj walker's uh house took some photos there um harriet tubman's 32 acre estate went there madam cj walker's manufacturing company and now theater and also the uh, soldier on the truth statue so february was a very busy month uh, so you did all that tour. in the month of february <laughs> yes sir oh i know who to hang out with next year <laughs> Yeah, it was it was amazing. It really was amazing. And um, it's funny because people once they started seeing I started putting out little bits of it because I wanted to do a, a full presentation of everything. So I was like, well, let me wait to put out the images. Um, and what I did was I kind of put out like selfies of me at the spaces. And I put those out and people were like, oh, my God, are you taking people on tours? Can we go? You know, can a group of us go together? And I was like, oh, wow, this is bigger than I expected. I was just led to do this. and. Um, now the response, I'm actually thinking about, you know, taking people on a guided tour to these sacred spaces. You know, one of the things that Garvey was saying was that, you know, we as people need to stop waiting for white people to co-sign or canonize our heroes. We need to canonize our own saints. Harry right. Tubman and Sojourner Truth are canonized as saints in the Episcopalian faith or denomination. So it's like we have this responsibility to venerate our own ancestors. We don't need anybody else to tell us what they did in a time frame that, you know, the stacks were totally against us. We have our own saints to look up to. And that was kind of what this tour was. It was visiting and paying homage to our ancestors that literally paved the way for us. And what we're facing today was nothing compared to what they were facing. Teach. And then just to go and 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 absorb some of their energy, be in their midst at their final resting places. I can't even explain to you the the power and the transfer of energy. It was speechless. I, I really can't even, to, I can't put it into words. Um, I did capture those visits and um, 
it's funny, um, you know, in our tradition, historically African uh, tradition, you know, we poured libations. So there was, um, I went to the thing and I picked up some, um, some apple, it was some type of apple um, uh, liquor. I don't even know what it was, but I didn't know at the time. So after I visited Harriet Tubman's, um, her 32 acres, the actual curator over there said that she had an apple orchard. And I did not know that. And that just happened to be the libation that I poured at her um, her final resting place. Great minds think alike. It was amazing. Yeah, I've been to a couple of historical sites. I've been to uh, Mega Evans' home. Mm, yes. I've seen mm-hmm. the actual bullet hole yeah. uh, in the house. They still got mm-hmm. the same furniture, refrigerator. They got the yeah. toys in the bed that his kids mm-hmm. laid on. And it showed where the bed was positioned, how low the bed is, and had that bullet came through there instead of that wall, Mm -hmm. it would have possibly um, shot his daughters. Yeah. Uh, I've been to um, Nat Turner uh, Trail in Virginia, Uh the brother Khalifa, he gives that tour. I've been to the uh, Markham X sites and different Mm -hmm. things like that, but... um, can no I mention? Um, have I been you, to as many places as you? Oh well, it, I, I'm 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 so honored. I really am. One thing you touched on was actually Nat Turner, and it's pretty cool. In my collection, I have um, one of the earliest books that people don't even know. I don't know how many copies were made, but it was about the Nat Turner insurrection. And also, I have firsthand account. It was a, a slave owner. Uh, she was writing her niece or returning the correspondence from her niece, and she actually names Nat Turner by name in her in her letter. So I have that wow. as a part of my collection. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. It ain't the one have. where um, what's that guy's name, man? He wrote a book on Nat Turner and tried to make him right have, Th- that it was uh, the interview. No, not that sexual one. <laughs> desires for the white woman. White and... women, yeah, no, that's bogus. Uh, here it is, right here, Nat Turner. Get this box out. Um, I have that one as well. But that one's not the um, that you know that one was a fictional account anyway. But uh, sorry for that noise. <laughs> um, this book is actually called "The Southampton Insurrection." It's mm. by Drury. So most people don't even know this book exists. Um, this actually was, and the funny part is, my family, my my um, my father's father's side is actually from this area, and I didn't realize it. And um, when the guy. Uh, saw my last name. He asked me, was I from the area? I said, well, no, my family's from Hertford County, Virginia, uh, excuse me, Hertford County, uh, North Carolina, which is literally across the bridge from mm-hmm. Southampton. And come to find out my grandfather's um, mother's family is from Darden, Virginia, which is all in that area. And I had no clue. So my family actually stems from that area. And this book was actually written in 1900. Oh, wow. And it's by William Sidney uh, Drury. Okay. He's from the University of Virginia. Most people don't even know this book exists. It was copywritten in 1900. Yeah, I got to see if I can uh, check that book out. So in closing, because we're about to come to the uh, 45-minute mark. But in closing, you know, since we're speaking on movies and fictional characters, what do you think about who killed Malcolm X that appeared on Ooh. Uh, that movie, I actually, excuse me, that series, I actually thought was amazing. It was something I always wanted to do and just didn't have the evidence. I'm from New Jersey. My family's from Newark. So, 
a lot of the stuff. Don't say that I too loud. <laughs> I know, right? Uh, but no, um, what not related to anybody in it. Uh, but the crazy part was it was really, really interesting. I like the way he broke down everything. He did it in a very historical and scholarly way. And it resulted in the and the funny part was I was actually at Malcolm X's grave when they announced that they were opening the case back up. Mm. And it, that was That's crazy. That's the universe so, right there. That's universe. It really water. was. I, I was really shocked um, and was just, man, just the energy there was just crazy. Um, now, now, let me tell you uh, some of the things that I found a little troubling in there. Mm-hmm. Now, there was never a mention of Farrakhan. They showed, no, it wasn't. Uh, a picture when the camera panned it by him sitting mm-hmm. in the front row uh, right. at Temple Number Seven. Mm-hmm. Um, but as soon as Malcolm X was assassinated, he became the minister, right? The Which they didn't mention. I thought that, was that Malcolm X resided over, mm-hmm. uh, and I thought you know making no mention of him. I just I, I didn't understand that. Well, and then there was um, the part. If if you know the story of Malcolm X, um, he gave mm-hmm. a speech where he said that Elijah Muhammad was taking yes. money from a white uh, oil tycoon in Texas. Mm-hmm. And his name mm-hmm. is something H.L. It's, I think it's H.L. Hunt. There was no mention of that. And mm-hmm. he said that he was able to see that the nation of Islam was spending more money than they was bringing in. Mm-hmm. And he said his wife, Elijah Muhammad's wife, one of his wife was sending a lot of money to Cairo. Mm. Right now we know that, um, when Malcolm was in Cairo, mm-hmm. he was poisoned. That's right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it don't necessarily mean that the nation of Islam, or right. she had anything to do with it. But it does give you pause for concern where you'd be like, okay, that, mm-hmm. you know, especially when you're doing an investigative uh, report. Right. Journalism. Absolutely. So, and it, 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 it's just, it, it, I got about 10 other things um, that oh, I yeah. was just like, and, and I know when you're doing these type of movies due to time constraint mm-hmm. that um, you can't include everything in there. Right. But I just, I just found that... Um, just certain things. But as far as um, actually naming the individual and, and mm-hmm. some of the principal players that was involved in that, there's yeah. several books out, um, one of them being The Judas Factor and a few yes. others that mm-hmm. actually lay some of those claims out. But to right. actually see the uh, see it. Yeah. paperwork from the FBI mm-hmm. that, wasn't shared with the New York yeah. Police Department and that whole scenario. It was yeah. like, wow, this is crazy. It I, seems as if there's going to be a second part too. Did you did you notice that? Um, no, not really, not really. I'm kind of more interested in um seeing how this case plays out. Right, and um, I think that's probably why they left it open. They didn't cover the other ones, um, and I'll go back and watch it again. But they didn't go into detail about the other ones as they did with the last one that had mysteriously died while they were filming. Yeah. I think one of the good things that may come out of it is um, the individual 
who is still presently alive and amongst us. Him being exonerated. That yeah. he will get exonerated. Yeah. Um, I, I think that will be um something that is overly due. Yeah, um, oh, definitely. Another thing would be just to almost in in a sense of what happened with Martin Luther King when the family mm-hmm. sued the federal government and they won. And yeah. they said that the government was guilty and complicit in the murder of Martin Luther King. I mm-hmm. think um, something needs to happen uh, with Malcolm X in that same manner. Even Definitely. though none of nobody from the government went to jail, it's right. just um, laying out the right. facts of the case, Absolutely. you know. And I, but sometimes when, when when things like that happen, it's almost like um, benign neglect. You know, yeah, you make you think like you're really doing something, but you're actually not doing nothing. Yeah. And um, I don't know. Just my thoughts, my ideas. Definitely. I agree. I agree 100%. Um, it, 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 it's actually necessary because what you're doing is you're actually making a public statement. Um, if it doesn't do anything but actually um, uh, substantiate what people knew already, it's actually that it's been said. It's cleared the air. So I think that is still um, necessary. I think the, the government owes that to the family. Yeah, absolutely. They, they were complicit the in keeping their secret for sure. Alive. Yeah, absolutely. And they're amazing. Um, you know, still doing the works of their parents mm-hmm. and um, still, you know, contributing to society with their own lives. You know, they're not living, you know, high on the hog, as, you know, the old folks say. Um, they're actually working Americans that are literally um trying to share and live their lives you know under the shadow of their parents that were taken away from them too soon yeah one of them is a school teacher mm-hmm. I think she's a professor at a college mm-hmm. like her mother yeah and the other one um one of them um, came out with malak yeah Ilyasa has a couple of books yeah um uh growing up x mm-hmm. um and then there's two more one. i can't remember yeah and then um, uh, Malak is, um, she's on, oh man, she's on the UN something uh, council and um, the African, oh man, I can't remember the name of the organization, but she's an ambassador to um, the African um, organization. I can't remember what it is right now, um, but she's, she's an ambassador to that. Uh, she came down here to Atlanta um, and was speaking at the Auburn Avenue um, library, research library. And um, <laughs> I actually shared with her some pieces I had. Uh, I have a, a love letter. It's actually a, po- a postcard from um, their father to their mother. Original and piece? She had, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, yeah. Wow. I told you my Malcolm X collection is amazing. I have his Bible that he had. It's a New Testament, small little pocket Bible that he had. Uh, it's the last time he signed his name as Brother Malcolm X. It was the day before he completed his Hajj. Um, so he says, greetings from the fountain, um, Brother Malcolm X. And uh, it's, it's absolutely amazing. That piece, um, I have another um, Savior's Day card from him to Sister Betty. And um, two-page letter from him to Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Um, I actually have his very first letter ever that he wrote while he was in jail. It was uh, six months into his bid on, in jail where he's actually writing the parole board to get um, transferred to um, Norfolk um, prison. Mm. And it was because, you know, he wanted to be in a place where there was a library where he can actually better himself 
and they had um, sports activities at the other particular um, prison. And he was writing, he was, he was saying, it's so amazing to actually see how intelligent he was um, before his conversion, if you will, to Islam. You know, his parents were Garveyites. His father yeah. was um, the president and his mother was the secretary of the UNIA in, in their hometown. And um, he was raised with, you know, just being a, a Pan-African, if you will, or a black nationalist from birth, <laughs> literally. And um, that showed in his, his letter. The first letter is absolutely amazing. We'll talk about that at another time because I don't want to continue on, but there's so much more we could talk about. But oh, my yeah, Malcolm we X definitely got to talk. Um, I got to come out and, and see your artifacts and your collection. Yes. And um, brother, whatever I can do to spread the word, whenever you have an exhibit showing, you yes, know, sir. you definitely let me know and I'll let the I'm Necessary off. Blackness podcast family know in advance and, and we will come out and support. And I just want to tell every and anybody that is listening to this, I'm sure that those artifacts and those collections, in order for this brother to um, be able to retrieve those things it costs a lot of money and we need to do all we have and all within our power to make sure that we get those collections we hold on to them and that they remain in our hands Absolutely. because i was just um reading about an artifact from ghana that's mm-hmm. uh in the hand of the british and oh, yeah. they wanted to use it for um, an exhibit in their museum. Mm-hmm. And the uh, British told them that they wanted a million dollars as insurance right, and stole. guarantee that they will return <laughs> it back. And this is right. stuff that the British stole, stole. from Absolutely. Ghana. Everything Europe has, they stole from Africa. And Whether I was it was Egypt like, wow. or anything else. Absolutely. That's right. They have some nerve. Yeah, so we got to do what we can, man, to support this brother. And I want to thank you for appearing on our broadcast. Thank you, brother. And is there anything that you want to say in your last closing word? Or is there anything I should have asked you, I didn't ask you, (laughs) I forgot to ask you that you want to put out there? Oh, man. Just make sure that we're taking um, full ownership of our history. Don't take anything at face value that um, were shown on TV. Uh, The major thing that literally started me on the quest that I was for um, buying back our history was that he who controls, owns the history, controls the history. And if we don't maintain ownership of our narrative, we're always going to be spoon fed foolishness like this. That's fictionalized and we don't know any better. And we're buying into it like it's something like it's, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. But if you know your history, people can't feed you lies. Always question. That's that's really what I say to our people. Question everything. That's right. And that and you heard it right here first on Necessary Blackness Podcast. Peace and power, family. I'll see you next time. Same place next week. Peace and power, family. This is Raheem Shabazz, and this is another episode of Necessary Blackness Podcast.